What's going on? It's Rock the Walls here on Adobe Radio. I'm your host, Patrick Walford. On tonight's show, we'll be joined by vocalist of Silverstein, Shane Told, talking all about the Vans Warp Tour of the summer as they'll be playing for their seventh year on the Monster Energy stages all summer long. Their brand new album, Dead Reflection, which drops July the 14th on Rise Records and a whole lot more as we get into our Adobe Warped Radio coverage here on Adobe Radio, the official radio station and podcast of the Vans Warped Tour all summer long. You're going to want to keep it locked tuned to Adobe and all of our awesome shows. And as well, uh, coming up in June, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we will have Adobe Warped Radio. So very excited for that. Hopefully you guys have been having a pretty awesome week. I know for myself, I've been really busy over this past little bit doing interviews. Just in the past couple days, I've had the chance to speak with Miss May I, Sixth, Frank Carter, and the Rattlesnakes, While She Sleeps, and a couple other bands. And as well, uh, keeping busy down at the airport as usual. So uh, just same old, same old for me. Status quo, if you will. We're going to head right into our interview right now with Shane Told of Silverstein. Got to speak with him a couple weeks back when they were out on the road with Good Charlotte. You know, usually when I do interviews, it's just inside the venue uh, in a quiet area that we do it, since it's an audio-only interview. And uh, after I met up with Shane, we've talked with each other uh, a couple times over the course of these past few years. I uh, said, yeah, you wonder what? Let's go down the street and uh, have a beer and do this interview. Uh, keep it casual. So that's what we did. And uh, really... I don't know if you can really call this an interview. I would say it's more of a conversation. Anytime you're talking with Shane, it uh, just is absolutely awesome. So here it is on Rock the Walls. You are listening to Adobe Warped Radio. I'm your host, Patrick Walford, host of Rock the Walls Saturdays at 8 p.m. on Adobe. Right now, we're joined by a band. They're going to be on the Monster Energy stages somewhere on the Vans Warped Tour. We're here with the vocalist of Silverstein, Shane Told. Shane, uh, man, for you guys, what? This is seventh or eighth year Warped Tour over the last decade. It's crazy. It's I lost count. I'm thinking it's seven. It could be eight. There's a couple Warped Tours I just don't remember. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's wild. I can't believe it, but... Um, we still agree to do it, so we must love it, right? Or we yeah. wouldn't have done it this many times. For sure, man. Now, when when you guys got the offer this year to play, did you guys have any idea that there was going to be bands like Guar and Municipal Waste and Sick of All or anything like that on this year's tour? It's pretty diverse. We had heard some rumors about some, you know, some different kinds of stuff. Like I'd heard the rumor about CKY, which is like crazy, and I knew Hatebreed was going to be on it, which are some bands that I don't know if they've done more before. Um, and those are a couple of bands I really like, and I like that Warped Tour continually, uh, you know, branches out and gets some things people don't expect. But then also, I love all the like old school punk bands that are playing, like Suicide Machines and Anti Flag, and like because that's that's like you know what I grew up with, you know, when I got into punk rock and, and you know going to Warped Tour in the late '90s. Yeah. So so I'm really excited, and, and I think as a fan of Warped Tour myself, I'm really really into the lineup this year. I guess something a little bit different from when you guys did it back in 2015 as well is now there's two monster stages. Um, I don't know if you got to go at all last summer, the Warp Tour, but um, just seeing that dynamic of there being a north and a south stage and just um, how much bigger the crowds were because there wasn't you know that 15 or 20 minute lull in the monster stage where there's bands setting up. You know what I mean? Well, I, I actually did get a chance. I went to um, I quickly went up to San Diego last year to see some friends and do some podcasts on my own show, and um, yeah, it was cool because. You know, we've done we've done the monster stage twice before in fifteen and thirteen, and both times we did that, uh, we felt a little I don't want to say like screwed over because that's kind of ridiculous, but all the other stages were paired up, 
and Monster was like on its own. So, you know, you had to really uh, draw a crowd. You couldn't just rely on like the next band having people waiting to see them. Which, you know, in terms of, a, of being a band on Warp Tour, a big part of the reason that bands do it is to get exposure and have new people coming out and be like, oh, like, I've heard of this band maybe, but I'm actually going to go see them. Yeah. You know, see what they sound like, see what their show's all about. So I'm excited now that they're going to have the, the tandem monster stages because I think, like, if you go on after another band um, that had people there or another band that's going on after you... Then there'll be a lot more people there just to be like, oh shit, like, I've obviously heard of Silverstein, they've been a band for 17 years, but I've never actually seen them. So yeah. we're excited for that. And also the stages are bigger this year too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the inflatable roof that collapsed yeah. on us uh, a couple times in the last couple of years. So yeah. we're excited for that part too. Yeah, for sure, man. And I mean, just, just looking at the entire lineup uh, for yourself, who are some bands that you're really excited to not only kind of... Uh, reconnect with uh but as well you know just get the opportunity to finally uh share a stage with i mean it's uh it's got to be kind of crazy to think that guar is going to be on one of those monster stages i mean thinking about them playing uh like 11 a.m and squirting fake blood out into the crowd and stuff is pretty awesome that i don't know what they're going to do with that with the fake blood thing because like i've actually never seen guar i've seen like actually been to their show i've I've seen videos and i kind of know what it's all about and i've seen them prepare the room for it um I don't know. Maybe they're going to play last every day. I don't know what, yeah. what they're going to do. I, I've been thinking about that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll find out. I mean, people coming out will definitely uh, we'll see what they do, decide to do. But um, back to your question about other bands and stuff, you know, the last couple years, last couple times we've done Warped Tour, you know, I looked through the band schedule, and it's like, let's see, I don't know how many bands are on the thing, but, like, more than half of them we're friends with, or more. Yeah, so it's So it's, like, crazy when we're just walking around. It's just like, oh, hey, dude. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Yeah. So that's like another one of my favorite things. Like other than the actual playing music part, the hanging out, just like buying the trailer after your show's done, having a couple beers, like you know some of our best friends and like Beartooth and Hands Like Houses, and you know, it's just like this. I could go on and on and on. All the bands that we're we're buddies with, and that part, the social aspect of Warp Tour is is actually really fun too. Yeah. One of my favorite parts. For sure, and it, it's kind of crazy to kind of take a look at your, your guys' past, like four or five years of touring, and just. All the headliners you guys have done and the, the kinds of bands that you guys have brought out to now, you know, almost every single one of those bands you guys have toured with, either they played Warp Tour or they're going to be on Warp Tour playing one of the, the bigger main stages. It's just, uh, it's really cool to kind of always seen, have seen you guys kind of, you know what I mean, supporting the up-and-coming bands, bringing them out on tour with you guys and seeing them, you know, now get to the point where they are now, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's one of the beauties, like the beautiful things about, you know, the music scene is sort of... Um, I guess I'll call it, like, the circle of life or something. I don't know what you want to say, but, like, you know, for example, we brought Beartooth out, and um, since we brought them out in 2015, uh, they've probably surpassed us now. Like, they've gotten a lot of new fans, and, um, you know, they're going to be on the main stage. I Well, it's, I don't know if it's really the main stage or what it is. It's kind of weird, because, like, I don't really, you know, to be, to be frank, like, I don't really understand. Some bands are bigger on the monster stage, but... Yeah. It's like a heavy thing. But the reason Beartooth's not is because they're on Red Bull Records, so they can't be on the monster stage because that's a competitor. Uh, so there's all these things. Yeah. But anyways, I, I, but I digress. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, um, it is cool, though, like just seeing all these bands. And, um, you know, you look at a band like Hawthorne Heights that, that they took us. We took them out on their first tour ever in 2004. And now 2000, and then in 2005 they took us out on this massive thing, and they went and had a platinum record. 
and now like you know our paths are crossing again and it's just sort of a cool thing how you can have really just friendships and relationships but also a professional relationship with bands and it can be they can support you you support them and over time everything kind of cycles around and and um I don't know. It's just a beautiful thing to see to see bands surpass you, and then sometimes you surpass other bands. And yeah. and and some some people think it's a competition. It's not a fucking competition. Like it's yeah. this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. And for me, everybody's we're friends and peers, and I love it. Yeah, that's definitely the, the only way to go about aspect, it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, in in that kind of uh, looking at it that way, I mean, for for you guys, I mean, going out on that first warp tour. I mean, you know, way back in 2005, you know, right off the heels of discovering the waterfront coming out, you know, obviously lots of like popularity towards you guys in terms of just bringing the, the crowds in and whatnot, getting people into your band. And so now, you know, 12 years later, going out on, you know, seventh or eighth warp tour for yourself, uh, what's kind of like some of the biggest lessons you felt that you've really learned, um, you know, kind of within your time in the music industry, you know, being out on warp tour and uh, kind of having those uh, pivotal summers for the band, you know, along, along your way on the career? Well, Warp Tour teaches you a lot about um, every, about treating everyone the same and treating everyone equal. And, um, you know, oh, we have people yelling in the background. Um, we, oh, oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Just had a waitress bring us water. Very sweet. It really, yeah, Warp Tour just really taught me a lot about everyone being on an equal playing field, um, everybody being the same and treating people the same. And, you know, whether you are making this much money or you're, you know, this big a band, or you sold this many records. It doesn't matter. You could be waking up in the morning, and they could be like, "Eleven fifteen, you're on stage." We don't care who you are. We don't care how long you've been a band. And then that same day, a brand new band that really hasn't paid their dues at all might get the, you know, the best three thirty time slot or whatever anyone thinks is the best time slot. So that whole idea of that and giving everybody a chance and and um, is a really great lesson. And if that didn't exist in music, the hierarchy of touring and stuff would be really prevalent, I think. Because, like, you look at the tour right now, we're on, we're opening for Good Charlotte. Like, you know, we're not really getting a lot of perks here. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't. We're not the headliner. Do you know what I mean? We're, but at the same time, I really like the idea of we're all out here. We're all doing the same thing. We're all working. We're all spending the same time, you know, on tour. So... Let's throw everybody a bone. Let's make sure everybody's having a good time and in a good place, and able to you know benefit you know their career and, and everything and what they're trying to uh, to do. So, so I'm a big fan of that uh, warp tour, and I think that that's a big lesson that I've learned, and it's spilled over into our career and the way we treat other bands, and you know when we go on tour, like whether we're a headliner or whether we're a support band. Now, I know back in 2015, uh, you guys did this a couple times with Beartooth, you know, the Silvertooth sets where you guys just take uh, both your set times, one hour type deal. Talked to Kalo about a month ago when they were in town with uh, with Bring Me the Horizon. He said, uh, it's definitely up for something like that again this summer. Do you guys, uh, have you guys been talking, maybe have uh, more extravagant plans this time around? Uh, Beartooth are like our best friends in the world, and we're going to be hanging out with them literally every day, all day. And what happened with the Silvertooth thing was we... Basically, we were just interchangeable, like, people. Like, we would just be on their bus, they would be on our bus. We toured Australia with them, and we were, like, our bands weren't even separated. Like, I shared a room with Caleb sometimes, like, which is kind of unheard of to, you know. We'd share a hotel room and stuff. We're not even in the same band. Uh, So, we just got to talking, and 
we were pretty much just getting a little bored of Warp Tour and playing like the same every day. Yeah. We're like, what if we did this? We're on the same stage. Why can't we make this work? So we um, we asked Warp Tour, and they were like, uh, "What do you want to do?" <laughs> and they were like, "Sure, whatever you want, man." And they let us do it, and it was so fun. Um, it was a blast. It definitely made Scranton the Scranton date a lot better. Uh, and we we had a blast, and we did it. And then, due to popular demand, we did a second show in San Diego, and um, we made shirts and everything. We went all out and. We took promo photos, and it was just—it was just the best. So, a lot of fun, and I wouldn't—I'd say nothing is confirmed yet for 2017, but I'd say there's a very good chance it will happen at some point. Maybe in Scranton. Awesome, man. That, that's great to hear. And I mean, you know, talking about that as far as you know, obviously having like a restricted amount of time in your set. Uh, usually, uh, you're looking at anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes. I mean, for you guys at this point in your careers. Um, being as many albums deep as you are, um, you know, with a uh, new one to be expected out a little bit later on this year. I mean, how do you guys pick and choose when it comes to something like Warp Tour this time around? Have you guys ever given a thought to, uh, you know, doing something kind of similar to what Prada did back, I believe, is 2014 and getting uh, people to kind of like vote for the songs that you guys are going to play? Well, we've done a voting thing before. Like a, there was some kind of like setlist.fm or something where you could put in what you wanted a band to play. or I don't remember the website. We did that for one tour. And it was literally the same songs every show yeah. that we played anyways, like yeah. the hits. And we're like, well, we already play those songs. Like, this, this, we don't want to play the same show set every day. Mm-hmm. And in Warped Tour, we don't. Uh, last, last time in Warped Tour 2015, um, you know, we, we, if we get 30 minutes, that's about eight songs, maybe nine if we play fast um, and don't take a lot of breaks. So eight or nine songs. So we picked like 30 or 30 to 35 songs that we kind of knew to play and we just dropped them in and anytime we were going to play shows like close together like where we would do like we did two Pomonas I think a couple years back or or if you're playing like I don't know two, just two dates that are really close Chicago, Milwaukee where a lot of people go to the same one whatever uh, we'll switch it up and sometimes we don't do any repeats like the entire set will be different and that's I think what a band at our uh, age age at our you know place in our career I should say yeah. make us sound like we're really old uh, that's what I think you have to do if we went up there and we played the same eight or nine songs every day first of all I would be bored to tears yeah. um, and I just don't think that's like a faithful uh, way to represent our career because yeah. I stand behind all our records I stand behind pretty much all of our songs so if we were just going to say okay I don't know this is like nine or eight or nine songs out of like 120 we've recorded like, that's crazy to me. So we're going to pick, like, probably a good 30 or 40 uh, old, new, and everything in between and uh, put together a different set list every day. And we learned that from No Effects. No Effects did a different set list every day. They, they let me write it once. I get to write their set list. They're my favorite band. So those kinds of those kinds of things, are, you know, you go back to the thing you said about lessons. That's another thing I've learned. And obviously, most bands don't do that. Most bands just play the same boring set every day. And I can't do it, man. I, I have to have fun, and I have to keep myself on my toes. Mm-hmm. I have to challenge myself and challenge our band to, you know, to switch it up. And I don't want to be going feel like I'm going through the motions up there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, when, when you say bands literally playing the same set every day, I, you know, it's literally the exact same set down to what they're saying on stage, except you insert oh, city name oh, and whatnot. I can't, so. I can't do that either. I mean, I remember one, I think it was 2013, we opened... Some days we open with like an acoustic song, 
which is like a total no-no. Like, who does that? I don't even think that's smart. But we did it just for, for you know, I, I did Pennywise uh, Brohim Acoustic one time. I opened with that. Just because. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. Have fun. You know, it's 100%. it's 30 minutes. It's, it's punk rock. People are going to see a million other bands that day. Like, try to do something special. Try to do something memorable. I think that that's uh, maybe why we're still here because those like little details we don't gloss over them. We we care about that stuff. Right now we are going to get to brand new music from Silverstein before coming back and talking more with their vocalist Shane Told off of their upcoming album Dead Reflection, due out July the fourteenth. It is retrograde on Rock the Walls. <laughs>
There is Silversteam on Rock the Walls. We are currently joined by vocalist of the band, Shane Told. Shane? Now, as far as it goes, I'm kind of uh, talking about new music for you guys. I know you've been in the studio working on stuff. You guys uh, dropped uh, Ghost's single uh, back a couple months ago and whatnot. With that as well, I mean, it's got to be kind of crazy for you guys. I know uh, 94.9 The Rock in Oshawa and I believe Hits FM in St. Catharines as well as a couple other Canadian yeah. stations. Uh, picking up that song that's got to be kind of like, like a, a cool moment for you guys as far as you know getting a getting a radio play on on a, on a song at this point in time playing this kind of music you know you're right and and we've had we had like a little bit of success like i don't know 10 12 years ago um with a few stations playing it but this really is the first time yeah like we've had a a song like charting on the radio and stuff and it's funny because we when i heard when we wrote that song ghost and somebody suggested oh like uh, maybe you should, you know, try to get it on the radio. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, let's try. Thinking there's no way, not even thinking that song's very radio friendly, but people like the song. The stations like the song, so we're like, okay, cool. I mean, it doesn't affect what we do. We're not trying to be a radio band. Uh, we're not going to start writing songs differently to try to get them played on the radio, which is funny because the one, the one we didn't think was. So, um, but... It is a cool thing to have happen right now, um, just to have that love and um, and like it's it's also I'd say the coolest for like our parents because the validation um, through your parents always seems to be like anything mainstream. So like my parents started hearing it, the song on ninety seven seven and they're like freaking out and they're like texting me every time it's on the radio like oh my god and then like it's the same like when we had our record reviewed in like the Toronto Star once there's an article in the Toronto Star it's like. Oh my god, it's like all of a sudden because that's like local where my family's from and it's mainstream, they think it's like the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, we just did like a sold out German tour. Like we played thousands of people a night and my like cuz it's not right in their backyard and in like the mainstream. They don't understand, you know, all the other stuff we're doing. Yeah. So that's probably the thing that I like the most is just to brag to my friends and family because they or to have them brag for me. Yeah. That's the funniest part. Yeah, sure, man. Now, when was that point for you um, in kind of your relationship with your parents where they saw that like, okay, this isn't just like a couple tours and the band's going to break up. This is going to be, you know, like Shane's full, full-time career, you know, for the yeah. foreseeable future. No, it's, that's a good question. Um, when I was, I was going to college, I was going to the University of Guelph, and I was in my third year when uh, we got the call from Victory Records that they wanted to sign us. And, um, you know, I was at the age, I think I was like 20, however you are, 21, 22. And it's kind of at the age where it's like, well, I think this is a pretty good time. You know, I don't have, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I don't really have a job yet, I'm still in the middle of school, like I could probably put this on hold and see and and for me it was just like i was just trying to have fun i wasn't trying to make it like a career the word career was so silly like career like tom cruise has a career you know i like i didn't even think my favorite bands had careers like they're just punk bands so i mean every hardcore band on victory or or whatever like they pretty much just put out two records and broken up so that's what i thought we were gonna do and i pretty much told my parents that i was like yeah i'm gonna do this you know and and they were supportive they they I said I could always go back to school. My credits aren't going to expire. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. And um, they were supportive, you know, through my all my musical, you know, upbringing because every Christmas, every birthday, I wanted a new guitar or a drum set or a microphone or recording gear or whatever. I always asked for that stuff. And I knew it was such an important part of my life. So they were always supportive. And I think it was after the first record, 
like blew up and we, we'd sold a hundred thousand records a hundred thousand copies of that first record like without a manager or anything and I kind of said to my parents hey like we just sold a hundred thousand records like I think this is gonna be a thing you know I don't think I'm going back and I was still taking online courses University of Guelph up until like late 2004 like that semester which is like a full two years after I you know dropped out of school I was still taking online courses so you know um, but but they were always really supportive they they actually used to do our merch store their merch store forever like uh, so my parents are really cool and um, they're coming tonight they're gonna be at the show so yeah that's awesome yeah cause it's, it's crazy to think now I mean it seems like uh, from like kind of you know when you say something like you know we sold a hundred thousand records we didn't have you know a management or anything like that it seems like Almost one of the first things that a lot of local bands do now is maybe they'll play a couple shows, but then they, you know, they're trying to get management because they yeah. think that that's what they need to like get them to the next level. And it's kind of interesting, you know, hearing about you know 13, 14 years ago where it's kind of the opposite of that. You it's know such I mean? a different world today. Like yeah. bands ask me what, like what to do. I'm like I don't know, man. Like yeah. it's I wouldn't know where to start now if I was a new band. Like we got signed because we we like went we made a demo and we literally mailed out press kits to different labels like that's all we did and victory liked it and then we ended up you know signing to them and they booked us a tour and you know there was no talk about photo shoots or videos or or like figuring out what to do about you know streaming or social media like we didn't have social media so i feel like there is so many things now uh that maybe it does make sense to have a manager at an early date but no we we didn't have a manager for the first hundred thousand records and I mean, we ended up selling like, our band sold over a million records now, yeah. which is insane because records just don't sell like that anymore. Um, so it's kind of a different. You kind of look at it a different way. You're not really trying to sell records anymore. You're trying to sell like your your band, I guess, as like I don't know, as a brand. I don't really know. I don't know. I'm I'm not really sure. Yeah. And I feel very lucky, uh, very glad, I should say, that we came in when we did. Because I don't think I'm, I'd be cut out for it these days. The yeah. whole like way you're supposed to do it with it being so social media and image driven and everything. Like yeah. we still do that stuff, mm-hmm. and in some ways I enjoy it. But starting from scratch there, I still like. I feel like it w- back 13, whatever. No shit, more than that. Yeah. Whenever we started 2002, when we started doing serious, serious stuff, it was more about the music. And less about the extraneous things. Now I feel like it's the extraneous things, and then I like the music. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And it's, um, I mean, you, you just you just look at Ontario now too, and just all, all the different kinds of bands. It's not you know necessarily you know like a certain kind of genres of bands that are coming out of here. It's all kind of you know different kind of stuff. You know, you yeah. look at uh, bands like Auras, who uh, I think they just wrapped up tour with bands like uh, Era and Phineas, a band like Mandroid Echo Star. We just won a Juno for, you know, the best uh, heavy and hard rock album of the year and stuff like that. It's just, uh, it's really awesome just to see the current crop that's kind of coming out of Ontario, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, um, I think the days of having regional sound is dead. Yeah. You know, there used to be, everyone knows about, you know, New York hardcore or Southern California skate punk. Like, there was a reason bands in different areas sounded the way they sounded. Because they played local shows and they influenced each other and that became a sound. The Seattle sound. All these things. Um, even in southern Ontario when we came up there was us and Alex on Fire and Boys Night Out and Monine and Grade and you know all of our bands uh, 
we played shows together and we influenced each other and we had a certain kind of sound that came out of that. Nowadays, there's like, it's there's internet, everyone's listening to everything. Any band can be from anywhere and sound like anything. So I think that's cool. Um, I think it makes people more open-minded about music from certain places um, because, you know, there was, there was a time when it wasn't easy to be like a skate punk band in New York yeah. or a hardcore band in California. It, was, it, wasn't, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Now I think you can be anything anywhere. Yeah. And I like that because I think, you know, I think I like all kinds of music and, and I like that you know, all those bands you mentioned can still, you know, exist and, and do what they want to do here in, uh, in Southern Ontario. Yeah. Now, as far as it goes uh, with that new record for you guys, uh, is it completely done at this point? Or are you guys still uh, writing it, uh, just kind of trying to figure out uh, when it's going to uh, be released? Yeah, we've, we've been working on it, and um, um, we're yeah, we're hoping to have it out uh, sooner than later. And hopefully, like I think there'll be some announcement about uh, what's coming at some point um, in the not so distant future. And uh, the stuff we've been writing has been like, like next level man like uh i know bands all the time say that oh our new record's the best new songs are the best but you know we did ghost a lot of people did say that's our best song ever which is crazy to put out your best song ever like like you know 16 years into your career um but we've pretty much with the new stuff we've sort of taken we've started there like that's where we left off and we've, we've tried to to take that sound a little further and um, all the stuff we've come up with has been really next level. And for me, I'm like the kind of guy that when we finish writing a song, I'm like, ah, is it good? I don't know. And I'm not really sure until later. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, like that, that works, so that's good. These ones, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like right away, I'm like, this is great. And I'm really into it, which for me doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm really excited. Nice. No. Yeah. From kind of a sound standpoint, is it kind of like, can you really compare it to any of uh, the past records that you guys have done, or is this kind of like uh, completely different in terms of kind of the way no, you guys tackle it's not it and stuff? Different. It's not. Like, it's a, all of our records and all of our, our stuff, we've always take a, um, taken a, an, a slow evolution, a natural progression yeah. through it. And I think anytime a band forces a sound or something like that, it turns out bad. Uh, it, it sounds forced. It's um, not true to what they really, where they really are. So this record, like all the other records, we started working on it, and we didn't have a conversation about what we wanted it to sound like. We had ideas, some of which were way out in left field, and some of which were like right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And I think trying to marry those ideas, being like, okay, this is right in our wheelhouse. How can we make this progress to the next step? And how can we kind of reel in some of the ideas that are a little crazy into sort of something that works with the other ideas and doing that I think we've we had a a very cohesive sound on this new record that's somewhat different for us but um, also um, I don't know it's not going to freak people out I think but I think there's some it's a little bit more modern Um, we worked with a younger producer on the stuff and um, we actually used some different guitar tunings too which forced us to think a little bit outside the box than just you know standard tuning like we've been using for years. We tuned down a little lower. We played around with some sort of like very very different unorthodox tunings, and uh, those songs, uh, those tunings made 
for a different sounding record, I think. And, and I think it kept it fresh. Yeah. Definitely can't wait to hear those songs. And just uh, for you guys, that you also recorded uh, here in Toronto once again, yeah, like the yeah, last yeah. record? Yeah, we've, we haven't made a record outside of, outside of Canada in like in 10 years now. Yeah. So our last, um, well, since Rescue, uh, no, since Shipwreck in the Sand, all of our records have been, uh, have been made in Canada. Um, it's, it's a combination of it makes more sense to bring the producer to us than yeah. all of us to the producer in California or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, I think supporting what's going on here with all the great Canadian producers, Canadian mixers, Canadian mastering engineers, um, Canadian studios, so many great ones. Like, I feel like it would be, it's a little irresponsible for us to turn our backs on what's going on right here in our own city, which is like there's amazing studios. So I think it's important for us to uh, embrace that and embrace where we come from, you know? Yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, just like you said. Now, as far as stuff goes, uh, you know, aside from Silverstein, uh, you're still doing uh, Lead Singer Syndrome, man. Uh, just uh, help for yourself, man. Just doing it over these uh, last, I guess, uh, it's been like, what, a little bit over two years at this point, right? Um, it's been, well, I just did episode 74. I do them every week, so that's like a year and a half, I guess. Um, it's been awesome, man. And, like, I never thought it would get to this point. I never thought so many people would care. Uh, I never thought I'd get all these amazing guests to talk to. And one of the really cool perks is just the amount of friends I've made through it. You know, like, some of the most random people. I'm like, fr- like I'm friends with Mattis Yahoo now. You know, like... I would have thought, you know, and I love Madison. I love his music. I love what he stands for. Yeah. And we had a conversation for an hour and, you know, now we like, we text each other sometimes. Like, it's cool, that side of it. Um, and just learning about, learning about people's careers, talking to them about music. A lot of it sort of, um, you know, inspired me in a way too, to, you know, learning more about how this whole crazy game works. And it's fun. I legitimately like every aspect of it. So, um, yeah, Lead Singer Syndrome, I hope people check it out. It's, it's uh, doing really well, too, and a lot of people are, are latching on to it and, and excited every week. I, like, this week I didn't do an episode. It was Easter, and I decided to take a week off. I got, like, borderline death threats, man. I'm like, calm down. It's a week. They're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do this week? What am I going to do? I'm like, have you listened to all 75 episodes? Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know, man. You're going to have to wait. I don't know what to tell you. So people are really obsessed with it, which, which is cool. Yeah, no, yeah. I think one of one of the things that I love about it so much it just uh, it it doesn't at any point in time feel you know like a question answer kind of like interview podcast. It just feels like honestly, you just like just put a couple beers on the table, just crack them open, and it's just like a couple buddies talking. Well, you know what I mean? Doing too, and I feel like this is a kind of environment like we're drinking a couple beers, sitting here in a restaurant. Maybe it's a little loud, whatever, but it's going to be better than sitting unnaturally in some environment. So I feel like the more casual I can be and the more exuberant I can be and the more like um, I can, like, you know, your tone you set for an interview as an interviewer really does end up setting the tone they're going to give you back. Uh, you know, as you were saying, you know, that's that's one of the things that I've uh, definitely kind of, um, over these last couple of years of doing interviews, I mean, when I, when I started doing them in like 2008, 2009, you started out in college, obviously, you know, you're a little bit green added type deal in terms of, you know, the way you do interviews, maybe how you ask questions in terms of the flow and stuff. But now over the last couple of years, I've kind of felt like I've gotten to more of like a more comfortable groove of just being able to 
not like go into an interview without any questions, but to go into an interview and have like a conversation, know what you're going to talk about, but letting the conversation kind of steer itself somewhere rather than, you know what I mean, having a set list of questions to go off from one answer to the next. Absolutely. You can't just ask questions. Um, you have to go down a path and have a couple of different ways that things can go and, and interviews can go. I mean, you don't even have any notes. I usually have a couple notes at least um, because I'm forgetful and stuff and, and there are things I want to get to. In a, in a specific um, conversation with somebody. But that being said, some of the best ones that I've done, I haven't even made notes for. Yeah. You know, I've just like, I haven't even done research. Mm-hmm. Just call the person. And so occasionally it'll be like, oh, that's not really true. Okay, well, yeah. explain why. Explain, you know, what really happened. And, and that's fine too because most of your listeners haven't done research. Yeah. They might know a lot about the band. They might know nothing about the band. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, um, I think you have to, think of that too of mm-hmm. who your listener is um, because if you assume the listener knows all the stuff about the person you're talking to they might not and then you might be way over their head yeah. so you know so it's 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 okay I think mm-hmm. to to have some things that aren't super super advanced yeah. you know it's okay to talk about things that have been talked about before mm-hmm. if you can put a little bit of a different spin on it yeah yeah for sure and I mean I guess as well when you when you take into account when you started the show um, from when you guys started the band and probably started doing interviews I mean at that point you had done like thousands of interviews about you know what I mean whether um, they were good interviews or bad interviews or some asked some weird yeah. questions some asked some not so weird questions you know what I mean so you probably already had a, like a pretty good idea of what kind of a tone you wanted to have kind of going into it no, definitely, and and I'd say, to be honest, of all the interviews I've done, I'd say like 80% of them are bad, and I'm sorry to anyone that's interviewed me that thinks yeah. that they're in, in the 80%, well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but most of the time they're bad, and and part of it isn't, it isn't necessarily the questions, it's just the way that they conduct the interview, the, like, the whole, like, question number one, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, answer. Yeah. No follow-up. Question number two, completely different. That is the worst thing yeah. to do. Um, it's bore, so boring. So, you know, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I've kind of taken it, inspired it from the 20% that were good. That's kind of where I've got my uh, ideas from, and, you know, like there's a lot of other great podcasts out there, too, that um, I've stolen from, too, you know, and... Uh, there's a lot of great podcasts out there that's stolen from me. And that's fine, because I think as in the podcast world, we're all growing together now. Yeah. And it is a new, newer thing. It is continually growing. And I think, uh, you know, with like the Jabberjaw Network and all the music podcasts we have on there, we're all really supportive of each other. And I think that's the way it's got to be, yeah. you know, in this world. So, I'm okay. Um, and just as far as uh, guests coming up on the show, uh, maybe you can't, don't want to give away too much, but uh, just maybe give listeners an idea of what they can expect. I don't like to plan ahead too much, man. Uh, like, for example, I did a great podcast, Going Off Track. Great podcast with Jonah Byer, great friend of mine. He, um, he and Bill and I did a podcast like months ago and it still hasn't come out. And which, you know, I understand he's in New York, he does them all in person and people come through and he's like, oh, I got to get this guy, I got to get this guy. But I like to be no more than two or three weeks behind because if I'm, or ahead, I should say, because uh, I want, like sometimes things come up like going on in the world. Like, can you imagine listening now at a podcast where people are talking about, is Trump going to get elected or not? Yeah. So, like, I had so much Trump talk on my podcast. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have that. You know, I couldn't have this, like, three, four months 
an advanced thing where I have 10, 12 already in the can. So yeah. I right now have two coming up. I have a John from Dark Tower, and I have Kayflay, who is a, some people know her, some people don't. She's like a female, kind of like rapper, indie, feminist sort of, really, really cool. Love that conversation. That's all I have. So I have those two, and I have a bunch in the works, but until I do them, I don't like to talk about them, because sometimes people do flake on me. And, and when they flake, it's fine. I understand people have busy lives, but I don't want to say, like, oh, we're going to have this guest. And then someone's like, where's the guest? And I'm like, ah, it's never going to happen because they're sketchy. Yeah. You know, and I don't want that. I don't want, I would never tell anybody, anyone who flaked. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to have to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't want to have to rat, rat on them when yeah. it's confirmed. But. I, I, I've always felt like the exact same way. Honestly, I feel like. Second, you start like talking about like an interview that maybe it's supposed to happen before it's even happened. Yeah. There's always all of a sudden a bigger chance of like it's not gonna, you know what I mean? It's just not gonna happen. So. Yeah, I had one. I had one guy that I was really excited to have, and uh, he, I actually got him on the phone. I was like, "Yeah, are you ready?" He's like, "Yeah, man. Uh, can I call you back in like in like uh, 15 minutes?" I'm like, "Okay." 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm like, "All right." So I call him back. Say, "Oh, sorry, man. I can't do it." Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like, you fucking douchebag. Like, I, you, what do you think? I'm just, I don't have a life either. Yeah. Like, it's just very, like, um, I don't know the word, you know? It's just, yeah. it's not, not cool. So, yeah. I won't tell anyone who that is ever, and that's fine. But, uh, I'm really glad I didn't say, this interview's coming. Because yeah. then I would have had to throw him under the bus. And I understand people have busy lives, you know? It's, yeah. it's I don't. I don't really hate the guy that much. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just as far as uh, where you want the listeners to go, uh, as far as uh, pick up ghosts or uh, just kind of when they can expect uh, the new record, anything yeah. like that. Yeah, well, it's it's coming, and I, like I said, uh, expect news sooner rather than later. Uh, and it's we're really excited about it. Uh, we're going to be doing all the warp tour, of course. We're going to be going to South America pretty soon, and I'm actually doing a solo tour with my project River Oaks. Uh, I'm doing uh, L.A., San Diego, Anaheim, Las Vegas, and Chicago in the middle of May, May 10th through 15th, and I'll be playing a lot of Silverstein songs acoustic, so if anyone's on the West Coast or Chicago, uh, check it out, and people can get tickets. It's like They're like 12 bucks. It's going to be really fun. Uh, RiverOaksMusic.com. Yeah, sounds great. And I mean, with with that kind of in mind, how how did you separate kind of what songs are going to be River Oak songs and what songs are going to be like the, the Silverstein songs when it came yeah. around this time to record? Uh, it's a good question. I think the River Oak songs, Silverstein, most of the songs are still a collaboration. There are a few songs that I write on my own, but, you know, Silverstein is kind of heavy guitar based. Yeah. Like I write the songs from a riff. I come up with a riff. Yeah. Whereas with River Oaks, I more come up with like, a chord and a melody, you know? So they're, they're sort of stem from different places. Yeah. Um, but there are times, like for example, our song Toronto, uh, that song definitely could have been a River Oak song. Yeah. Um, but I decided it was a great track for Silverstein to complete our record and really fi- finish the story of that, of I Am Alive and everything I touched. So uh, yeah, so it kind of can be, some of the songs can be any, and once I sing on them, they sound like me, <laughs> yeah. which sounds like Silverstein. I can't get away from it. It's just yeah. how my voice is. Uh, but I think that that's 
that's okay too. So, still my music. For sure, man. Well, Shane, thanks a lot for joining me yeah, tonight uh, on IW Words Radio, man. I really appreciate it for your time. And as always, one of the things I like to do with the bands that I interview is I get them to choose uh, songs from their catalog that they want the listeners to hear, yeah. and then a song that uh, you'd like to hear. Um, and I guess we'll, uh, it's usually any band, any artist, any genre, but if you want to pick uh, another band who's playing Warped Tour, you're stoked to see in um, a band by you guys, uh, go for it. Sure. Uh, no pressure. Just don't put me on the spot or anything. <laughs> Uh, well, I'd say for Silverstein, uh, you got to play our newest song, which is called Ghost. I think that that's really going to set the tone for uh, the new stuff coming out. It's going to come out soon. Um, if you got time for two, uh, definitely try to play a River Oaks tune, maybe Roman Candle. That seems to be the one the kids like. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of Warp Tour, oh my God, there are so many great bands. Some of my good friends and a great band, Anti-Flag. So let's just rock out with a little die for the government. Yeah. Let's do it. It's a it's a punk rock classic, and I'm very excited to hear it every day on this tour. Shane, uh, thanks a lot, and thanks can't wait to see you in a couple months on the Vans Warped Tour. Yeah, man, all the best. Go and check them out this summer on the Vans Warped Tour, playing the Monster MG stage all summer long. This is a brand new single they dropped a couple months back. It's Silverstein, Ghosts on Rock the Walls.
Silverstein Ghost on Rock the Walls. That is off of their upcoming album, which they're going to be dropping on July the 14th while they're at on the Vans Warp Tour, playing the Monster Energy stage all summer long. It's called Dead Reflection uh, with Ghost. And as well, the song we heard a little bit earlier on in the show, Retrograde. Absolutely stoked for this record. As always, Silverstein releasing top-notch stuff. And I really don't think that this release is going to be anything different. A special thank you goes out to Shane Total Silverstein for joining me on the show tonight. And just a reminder to you as well to keep it locked to Adobe Radio for Adobe Warped Radio. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time coming up here in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, but in the meantime, all of us Adobe hosts, we're going to be interviewing Warped Through bands on our shows. So uh, keep it locked to the station. You guys can follow me over on social media at Rock the Walls on Facebook, Twitter, and yes, I did it. I got Instagram at Rock the Walls on that as well. I will be back to you guys next week with some more special guests. Maybe we'll have John Moyer of Disturbed and Art of Anarchy on the show, along with another special guest. You'll just have to wait and see. I've been your host, Patrick Walford. You have yourselves a great night, and always remember to listen loud.